My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. And they taught me how to shoot with a steady hand. I guess that's something you don't understand. Welcome to another episode of All American Wing Shooting Podcast with Sweet Grace from Auto Pro Technologies. Everybody is hearing the rave of what you have to offer. Oh, thank you. And I'm just you. so proud to say, like, <laughs> I've been there from the beginning. I'm from so the excited. Very beginning, from the yes. very beginning. I mean, we got to be friends very early on. You were at the shoot at Providence Hill here in my hometown, Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. And um, we just hit it off. And I'm so glad that we've developed this great friendship over the years since then. I know. I love those Mississippi girls, you and Kim. I miss you guys all <laughs> the time. I'm like, it's not fair that y'all get to have each other. And I'm just floating in and out. Come on, come on down anytime. We would love to, to bring you in. <laughs> you know, Kim and I even have kids in school together. Now they're going to the same no school. No way. That yeah. is super special. So yeah. And at that time you weren't necessarily a shotgun girl. And mm-hmm. now like you have no choice, but to just d- jump right in. <laughs> Got to jump right in. And, you know, I mean, I think I've people have probably heard me say before that I didn't grow up really wanting to do the actual hunting. I was just out there with my dad and friends and family, and I was around it and developed this really healthy respect for what hunters do. But now I'm, I want to get in it. I want to get into it. And so my dad's 70th birthday is coming up in October. And then my birthday is in November. And on my birthday, for both of our gifts, we are um, having a three-hour shooting lesson out at Providence Hill. Oh and I could gosh, not be more awesome. excited. <laughs> yeah, that's so perfect. And I loved it because when we met, you had your daddy with you. And I've always drugged mine around too. And I was like, this is hilarious because Kim's so close to her dad. And we were all three there together. Yeah. Yeah, it was so funny. I'm like... You just never know how you're going to meet people through the hunting world and have so much in common. You just live the same exact life and you're from a completely different part of the country. Well, and it's shared values. Like I love that, uh, you know, growing up in the deep South, I think there could be a thought of people that live down here with me that people in other parts of the country don't have, don't share our same values or have a different perspective or mindset. And with Pro. I mean, I'm talking with people around the world and we share this similar set of values and this respect for the outdoors industry and hunting as something that is necessary and good and needed for our environment, for conservation, for animal populations. You know, it's a lot more than just the hunt and the kill. And uh, people just don't, a lot of people don't get that, but there's also a lot of people all around the world that do. They do. And I hope that they become more vocal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I I mean, just like this podcast, for example, it, it never ceases to amaze me, um, the podcasting and social media and how you really can spread messages more easily and more quickly than you ever could before. Yeah. And, and it motivated this whole thing because i traveled by myself for so long and having that much time in the truck by myself through all those miles. Um, I caught myself on the phone a lot, just catching up with people who are staying connected, you know, with all of us that were scattered about that we still work together and things, but 
I also had a lot of time to think about it. We're so focused on what we do instead of why we do it. Mm-hmm. And the why we do it is what's going to create the longevity to allow us to keep doing the things that we love. Right. And so it's like, right. we got to start talking about why we're here. And Robbie of Blood Origins does an amazing job sharing that message, but he can't do it by himself. And I've just been so motivated by what he's done and what Blood Origins had, like the part they've played in my career or my journey and my story. I was like, I want to jump on that bandwagon of sharing the heart of the American hunter, specifically in the wing shooting world, because we do have such a special tradition and values and things that it's true American. Yeah, absolutely. It's true American. And it's, and like to what I said earlier, it's also kind of this origin of humanity sort of experience. I mean, this is, this is the core of life on planet earth for, for all of us. I mean, this is, this is how we started. This is, this is how we were, this is how we were created to live essentially. And while we've evolved so much and we're so, um, we're so advanced now in our first world problems, but at our core, this is what we came from all of us. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. And so, you know, and with you just getting started, it's amazing to me how, um, many people that have influenced my career or got me going didn't grow up doing this. And so when they were teaching me something and I felt like such a rookie, I didn't realize that, you know, they had been an onset hunter or whatever, that they found this in their twenties or in their thirties or whatever. So we're all kind of sharing this similar story, but we just dive into it. Like, I'm not really sure how you found into the wing shooting world um, without being a wing shooter. Yeah. But the same bug that bit me bit you because it was like, once we found it, it was like, we're, we're changing our whole life and we're going to, we're going to just figure out how to do what we do in this world. Yeah. The people yeah. are so amazing. I just say like gun dog people, shotgun people, they're the best people in the world. Well, I mean, I, I always say that I have met the most incredible, interesting people through my work with Odo Pro and uh, these are great people doing what they love and their principles, they're, they're principled about what they do and they have a why behind what they do it for the most part. Yeah, exactly. So you were in the medical world yeah, in like a total city girl. And then how did you, like what happened in your career to say the wing shooting world is where it's at. Like the, there's a mass need for protection, for education, because you're really an educator above all things. That's really what yes. you brought into my world. Cause I'm here with your hearing, um, headphones that you recommended for me that I use for my podcasting. I've got my custom hearing protection that I travel with on the road or that I'm shooting hunting with. I just, I just use whatever was available. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's like you roll up, who's got an extra little foamy. I mean, literally that's been the conversation. So how'd you find this industry at this part of your life and just say, they need me? Well, it's been a really interesting full circle moment. I mean, when I was doing all my training at Vanderbilt in Nashville is where I studied audiology and I was involved in uh, the music 
community with musicians. And we worked with musicians routinely on their in-ear monitors and getting everything set for them. But before I met my husband and realized I was going to be moving back to Mississippi, my goal was to have a, a hearing wellness clinic for musicians and to work with record labels to make sure that they keep this, this invaluable asset protected for these musicians. Well, then I moved to Mississippi and I joined the academic medical community and kind of switched gears a little bit and was diagnosing and treating hearing loss every day with adults. And most of it was very preventable from noise exposure. And here in Mississippi, so many times that hearing loss was a result of hunting and shooting. And my own family, my own dad is, is included in that demographic of people. And my clinical niche at that time grew into the area of dementia and hearing loss and working with people who had some form of dementia and hearing loss. And I started studying kind of what's happening in your brain with both of these disease processes and how are they making each other worse? Then I moved into a research study out of Johns Hopkins that was looking at some of those same topics. And all the while I became very compelled to prevent and delay these these neurological changes that happen when you have hearing loss and the community that's in my backyard here in Mississippi are largely hunters and shooters. And they just don't know what products are out there that can actually be enjoyable to use while they're doing what they love. And then even once they do know they're out there, they don't want to go through the medical model and sit in a doctor's office to get it done. So Odo Pro was really created as a little passion project so that I could go around to my friend's houses after work and we could have a cocktail and I would lay out their options for them and mold their ears. <laughs> and then they, and then they get products so in the mail two weeks later. I, know. I mean, it was like, Hey, so you want to come over after work? Or I would stop by a friend's office on their lunch break. I mean, there's a law firm downtown and there were several attorneys who were interested in this hearing protection. And so they just had me come in over lunch one day in their, uh, in their, what do you call the big room where you have meetings, the boardroom, the boardroom. And, <laughs> and, uh, but that's really how it started. And then through word of mouth, it grew and grew and grew. And now we've got clients all over the country and in other parts of the world. It's just been wild. And, and, I think and it, how long, like how long did it take you to get this message out? Well, in 20, like I say, in 2018, in the fall of 2018 was when I started doing this and just kind of telling friends and family, I didn't even start a social profile at that time. I don't think. Um, so it was kind of just, if you knew me, you knew I could do this on the side. Oh, and then that's like when we met, that's that met, literally is when we met. We, we met in, it was because I just looked this up the other day. I was on the phone with Doug Kirkendall with game Boy ammunition. He was there yeah. that day too. It was the, the following summer of 2019 that the South Central Regionals was hosted at Providence. And that's when, you know, it had been almost a year and it was still just word of mouth. And I heard about this clay shoot thing that was happening. I'd never been to a clay shoot before. And I just went and threw up a tent as a vendor to see what would happen. And it was there that that word of mouth like exploded across the country through the clay shooting community. And uh, so, so that was 2019. 2020, uh, things just kept getting busier and busier. Spring of 2021 was when I figured out how to launch an e-commerce platform so that people could check out on the website. And instead of me having to fly across the country to mold your ears, 
I started referring people to a local clinic that I had already spoken to and vetted and facilitating that process remotely for people. And now that's where most of our Odo Pro business is coming from. I still travel. I still do events and a lot of fittings in person myself, but I'm also exponentially more facilitating that process for people in other places. Okay. So we'll talk about my process (laughs) because I mean, I did have like exception to the rule, but I went through it twice because of my travel schedule. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So right. the first guy that I went to, he, he was a little bit of a hot mess, but it was in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. That tiny so, town. What's the name of that little bitty town? I don't remember, but, but I, I just didn't want to drive to the big city where like the mega pros would be uh-huh. because it's so far. Right. So I was like, well, let's just give it a whirl. And, um, so I can tell the difference between going to him who he was not a physician and I made that choice. Right. Right. And then when I came back to Georgia and we decided to do it again, I went through the whole process at the, like, you know, the hearing doctor's office, everything, and they were amazing. And it was um, such a different experience. And so Nick, you know, went with me, we found yeah. out that he's deaf. We don't even know like that poor that poor kid is only 24 mm-hmm. and he needs um, hearing um, help like 24 seven, not just hearing yeah. protection. But we learned that through going through this process and we knew that he wouldn't like, we used to give him like rag him so bad. Cause we would talk to him and he wouldn't even turn around or whatever. Well, if I hadn't have had to go there, I'm like, you just got to go with me. Let's just see what this is about because yeah. at the shoots, they're not able to give you the custom protection and you don't know until you know, right? So I've had custom hearing protection for a long time. I've had um, electronic and, and then just the rubber ones, right? But they were supposedly custom. And the difference I would say that I can tell the most is these, which I ended up going with the sound gear option. Mm -hmm. They are um, so much deeper Mm-hmm. in my ears. Like I can feel that and it didn't cause discomfort, but I can tell that it blocks out more sound. Yes, because it does. And we are very uh, clear with the providers we refer to with, we have a, a one pager ear mold impressions guide, and it's required that the ear mold impression go very deep past the second bend of your ear canal. Um, and oftentimes people at shoots that are just shooting stuff in your ears and they're not trained. They don't realize that if they don't get that depth, then you're not going to be able to achieve the depth you need with the earplug. And you're actually going to increase comfort and, and, and add to your protection quality with a deeper fit. It it's, it's better all around. It doesn't make sense that deeper would be more comfortable but it is. And it mm-hmm. actually decreases what we call the occlusion effect or that sound of being inside your own head, like down in mm-hmm. a barrel. You're always yeah. going to have a little bit of that, but it's way better when you get a good deep fit. Yeah. So I, and I would wear those all day when I was instructing, you know, client after client, after client, you wear these things all day long if you're shooting like that, you know? And so, um, yeah, I wish I'd had these years ago. 
And you get used to it, right? I mean, it doesn't sound completely natural. I mean, the the sound quality, you're having to listen through a microphone with these electronics, especially. And so you do have to adjust and acclimate to the difference in the way things sound going on around you. But then just like I was talking to Doug the other day and he has one that we're sending in for repair. And he said, you know what, Grace, you have to get used to these things. But then when one stops working and all of a sudden you're not hearing what you've grown used to, then it's a problem because now I shoot better with these than without. I'm like, right. Yeah. That that's it's your brain adjusts to what your normal is. Yeah. And there, there is something to say about getting into your subconscious and turning everything off. And those actually help you do that. Mm -hmm. Well, and everybody's so different. I have some shooters that want to pipe like, you know, heavy metal music as they're walking up to the five stand. And then I've got other people that want like spa background music. (laughs) And then other people who just want to just tune everything out and have just a solid tune out. (laughs) <laughs> and having, but having that control over two different microphone settings where you've got the settings for what's coming through your phone, what's streaming, and then the external microphone settings that you can balance to your liking. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Um, there's still, in my opinion, you know, the perfect product that I've built in my head still does not exist. I mean, it's not without a few drawbacks and things that I would like to adjust, but again, I just believe that that sound gear product that you're in is the best available of what's on the market right now. And that's, that's the best we can do. So, yeah, well, and we talked about that because I tossed out several other different brands that are popular within the hunting industry. And yeah. that's what you said. It's like, they have the best technology on the market right now. And it's such a new topic for hunters to, to use this um, level of technology that, right you know, you got to be educated or you end up settling just because you just aren't familiar with what's going on with the hearing protection world. Yeah, it's true. And with any hearing protection, whether it's a high-end electronic like this, or whether it's a passive filtered product, that's not electronic, there's there, what was missing before Odo Pro, I believe was the service delivery, the customer service to follow up and make sure it fits and works. Um, you won't see anything on my website or in my branding that says that I'm a sound gear dealer or distributor. And that's because I have no official tie to sound gear. I can mm-hmm. order them just as easily as I could order something else. And I, and I refuse to uh, increase my bottom line like I could essentially if I sold out to one brand or another. But I, I want to, uh, Odo Pro was created to be able to turn on a dime. And if something better comes out tomorrow, I'll start selling that. So, um, and the follow-up, like, for example, your process was not seamless. It was a comedy mm-hmm. of errors trying to get you into product. So we'll just and what happened. You, you move all over the country. I'm How everywhere. Many, yeah. How many towns have you lived in? And so things got lost, things got, and it was just, but I guarantee you, I, I, I maybe I'm overly, I don't know. I just don't think anyone else who could have sold you that product would have been able to remediate all of that because our direct tie to the manufacturer and we have we have weekly standing meetings with the head of the sound gear division where we go through any every single individual who has an order issue to fix it so i mean even though sometimes we don't always get it right and things happen and things go crazy and we don't know where something went we will not stop until we fix it 
Oh, and we found it. It just took a couple of months. We found the package. We have returned the package. <laughs> we called all kinds of people to get the yeah, package. All kinds of people. But my mama got it back in the mail. It ended up Wait, back mama. in Georgia and my mama got it back in the mail. So it is off to where it's supposed to be. And I have a perfect set with me and everything is returned and life is good. But Listen, you're right. UP, like, UPS <laughs> knows your name. <laughs> Every UPS driver between Georgia, Wisconsin, and Nevada knows your name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all good. So um, I have been just blown away too at how receptive people are at yeah. embracing what you're bringing to the table because you have such a passion to save people. And my dad's not a hunter um, per se, but he had a millwork company for forever. And he was with that noisy sanders and all that equipment all day yeah. long for so many years. And so now he, um, we talk about his issues and his hearing problems and we go out to restaurants and if it's not, um, pretty much like decorated properly to, um, handle all the sounds, then all he can't hear anything at the table because all he does is hear white noise. And it's so annoying for him. It's just having like a swarm of bees in your ear the whole time. And I'm like, well, I don't really know about fixing your entire hearing stuff, but we can get you the, the like a duplicate of my shooting ears and you can just use them in restaurants. And then you can hear everything that's going on right here because it'll drown out all the chatter and you can focus on what's is, right here. Is he adamantly opposed to wearing hearing aids day to day? I don't know. What's, I think you need what's holding think, him back. Load up those kids, go to the fall festival, set up a booth and get Papa fixed. <laughs> Because, you know, what you're describing is kind of classic noise-induced hearing loss, where he's probably lost so much of the treble, the high end of his hearing. And so then when he goes in a restaurant, all he hears is the roar of the background mm -hmm. noise. And he cannot parse out the consonant sounds of speech because those sounds like the S, the T, um, that give the clarity to speech are completely drowned out by all the background noise, where his hearing is still pretty good for the bass tone. So it just creates this imbalance. And with hearing aids, we can restore that high end. And then when you go into a really challenging situation like that, they make these little, they're, they're pretty discreet, little table mics. And you can have a table mic that has a very strong beam former microphone that will point at the person talking to him. And so he could then put that on the table and have a direct connection between your voice and his ears. So oh, yeah. You know, there's so many available technologies there. There's really no reason why not to at least go consult with consult when he goes back home. Is he in Georgia? Yeah. Send him back to the audiologist that molded your ears. Their clinic is oh, fantastic. Yeah. They are. Get him to go through the whole test and get them to lay out all the options because day to day, if he would wear something consistently, he could see a lot of improvement. I'm and I think that it just it. has to annoy people, you know, when they, when they can't hear it's, and they're always saying, what'd you say? Huh? Huh? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure that that just comes with a certain um, aggravation that they don't even realize that they're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. I mean, I remember when I was practicing in the clinical setting, I would have some, some people came in because their spouse was dragging them in and their spouse was saying, these hearing aids are expensive, but they're a lot cheaper than a divorce. And then, 
and the spouse was just fed up and the spouse was feeling isolated and lonely because their partner was checked out because they, they weren't communicating. Um, and then other times I would have people come in and and the best success is going to be when that person individually is fed up with being left out of the conversation. And when they realize that they've started to withdraw and isolate and that it's starting to really affect their quality of life, that's when they are ready because it does take effort. It takes trying and it's expensive. So you, you gotta, you gotta really want it. But the, the benefits definitely outweigh the effort to get there far outweigh. And in fact, I mean, the most compelling benefits, uh, we're still waiting on the results from the study that I was a part of out of Johns Hopkins called the achieve study that was looking at whether early hearing aid intervention could delay the onset or slow the rate of cognitive decline or dementia. And so, and it's because you hear with your brain. And when you have a lot of hearing loss, the areas of your brain that process sound are going unstimulated and they can start to atrophy. And so it, we're, we're, the research is still coming, but the hypothesis and the likely conclusion is going to be that adding that stimulation back to the brain is going to help resist the progression and the onset of dementia. Now, there's nothing more compelling than that to me. That should motivate everybody to take their hearing so much more seriously because um, everybody's just like, well, I just can't hear. I'll just say, you know, just repeat it or, or I'll just learn to deal with it. But that is, that's adding more hunting seasons to your life. Absolutely. I mean, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, while I didn't grow up wanting to literally shoot the deer with my dad in the deer stand. Yeah. I was hanging out at the hunting camp and taking part in the social aspect and all the camaraderie and standing around at the end of the day with multiple generations sharing their stories and the little kid telling their grandfather about this or that. And by protecting your hearing, you are, you are able to participate in those conversations so much longer. You're able to hear that Turkey gobble so much longer. You're able to hear those birds flush. And so if that's not reason enough, then let's yeah. at least try to protect your brain so that you can remember those hunting stories longer. Yeah, for sh- for sure. Now, you live a crazy life, which we talk about because we're friends, but you have three young children. Your husband travels and has a mega job mm-hmm. and you are launching now a worldwide business. And and then throw in hunting season on top of it. Like how in the world are you juggling all of this? Well, the time will come for me to actually get out and be able to hunt. And that time I've just come to peace with the fact that I can be out among it and I can enjoy that part of it, but I'm going to be working because th- that's what this business requires right now. Um, my children, my oldest daughter turns 11 today. And it's her birthday. My middle child turned nine last week. And then I have a four and a half year old daughter. And so um, I'm constantly trying to compartmentalize. Mm -hmm. And I, when I'm home and not traveling, once they get out the door to school, I sit down at my desk and it is tunnel vision. I put my phone on do not disturb and it is total focus mode until I have to leave to get in carpool line. Oftentimes I'm, it's not healthy, but I'm drinking coffee till two 30 in the afternoon and yep. eating power bars and pretzels in my car that I, I literally keep those things in my car. 
Yeah. I'm not bragging about that. I'm not proud of that. I strive for more balance, but it's because if you try to reach me by email at 3 p.m., you're probably not going to get a response until eight o'clock when I put my kids to bed. And from three until eight, I tr- when I'm in town, I try to focus and be present with them. And it's a constant struggle and I fail all the time. I was telling you that last night I had a call with a company out of Australia right at their bedtime because it's like mid-morning tomorrow over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only time I can do business with these clinics. So, um, and I, my husband's out of town. And so here on the eve of my daughter's 11th birthday, I had to send everybody to bed on their own to put themselves to bed. And it broke my heart a little bit, but I also think that it's instilling a work ethic in them. And if I can try continually and not stop trying when I fail to compartmentalize and give them my attention when I can, mm-hmm. that that it's it's hopefully giving them a model to work hard and build something that they're proud of and leave a legacy. But okay, I love that you struggle. say that because, you know, I had to do the same thing and I've had to leave Hallie Joe home with my parents, you know, so many times because when she, I started this when she was so little. And so there were times where she couldn't. And then, and then I ended up homeschooling her, you know, because she got to the age where she could go, but before then she couldn't. And if COVID hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't have been like, oh yeah, I can homeschool. Like I'm not super mom, you know? And so, um, because of situations and circumstances outside of our, our, our control, I have tried different things because I absolutely love this life. I love sharing the traditions of hunting. And I got another email yesterday from, um, Somebody, and we're going to have to refer them to you because it's an entire family. A mom had sent me an email about an 11 year old daughter who she said, you know, she just wasn't outgoing. And at that age, which you have an 11 year old, you know, and they, they've got to find something that motivates them to become themselves. Right. Right. So it's a really, um, important age group that they start picking something to set those personal goals. And like, like you're modeling for your kids right now. And and so she said that she decided that she would start 4-H shooting and that they have followed me on social media. And I'm like, I started this, not having a clue as to what I was doing, but I loved it. And I have been a super train wreck from the beginning. Thank God that people just mentored me and helped me. So I feel like that's my job. Like this lady messages me. She's like, my daughter needed this. Now I'm going to do it because she's going to do it. And I want to be able to support her. Yeah. And she said, the craziest thing is that in this, I don't know. I mean, it, it makes me happy to feel like we've encouraged a family to be together, but she said it blew her mind of how supportive her husband and her 19 year old son were about inviting her and her daughter to hunt camp. Oh, and yeah. so it was like, that's wonderful. I don't and it's got to be so rewarding for you to hear that. Like well, you talk is, about, but, you know, the, why we do what we do. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's amazing. But to inspire in our personal that way. life, right? Like you're, you're saving people's hearing and maybe even adding like years to their life. And huh? we see all of our faults, right? We see, oh my gosh, I have missed so many of Hallie Joe's birthdays because I was, it was during the middle of hunting season and I was gone and I can't just come back and go right back because 
I'm traveling with all those dogs or whatever. And so we see our failures or the the expectations that we feel the world puts on us. That's it. It's, I don't think it's failures. I I think that it might just not look like what the world tells us it's supposed to look like as a mom in Mm -hmm. 2022. But I, I want to raise independent, resilient, um, hardworking daughters. And I, I feel extremely blessed. And I think that you should too, that we have found a way to do something that's more of a calling than a career. I mean, I was wired to do this and I, I, I am doing, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind. It's it, even when I feel like I'm failing, I, I, I don't think, why am I doing this? I just want to quit. That yeah. that's not part of my internal dialogue. That's criticizing myself. It's just that I should have more endurance and I should be able to do this better, but I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I pray that my daughters will grow up and find something that they're passionate about, whether it's teaching school or cutting hair or treating patients or doing nails. I don't, but whatever it is, I want them to be all in and wholehearted and feeling like they're really doing what they were created to do. Well, I can, I, you know, JC's old now. I don't want to talk about how old JC is. Cause that really ages me, but so she's cute. in college <laughs> and, and, and so she, she's I your never, twin. She looks just like you. Oh my gosh. Thanks. But I never thought that she would find her place in this world. So it's really cool when you raise your kids in it mm-hmm. and then they find their purpose within it, which is JC's and I's over, like ours overlap a little bit, but I want to I have a gun in my hand and I want to have a dog at my side. And she's more like, let me go on the hill and speak for everybody and stuff, you know? And so it's just been really cool to share our passions. And um, I, I mean, I just never saw it coming, but it's been the influences of these people that have, you know, mentored me or taken me under their wing or whatever, you know? And so they yeah. did the kids too. And everybody's finding their place and um, and purpose within this world, it is very rewarding. And so luckily because of her, I have hope for Hallie, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you know, that I'm just dragging this kid around the country and just being like, yeah, this is our life and it's not normal, but we think it's it's normal. normal. Right. Well, and I should probably also say, cause I'm sure you have a lot of women who tune in to your content and, when I say all this about working and finding their passion, their passion may very well be to be a stay-at-home mom and have a very tr- more traditional type of a, um, or traditional in the Mississippi sense that yeah. dad goes to work, mom stays home, takes care of the kids. That That is laudable and respectable. And just because that's not my calling doesn't mean it's not a worthy calling. It is the highest calling. So I, I certainly don't want to come across as like, you know, this super, you know, feminist in the sense that all women need to be out there hustling hard, pounding the pavement outside of the home. That's not what we're all called to. At that time, at the same time, I feel like you should only be doing that if that is where you truly feel completely fulfilled and called to be. And if there's women at home who want to find something and who don't completely feel fulfilled. And maybe you feel guilty about that because of the expectations the world puts on you to that. Mm -hmm. I say, you got to put that out of your head and and you got to, you got to find some people that you can talk to who aren't going to discourage you. I remember 
I was part of a wonderful Bible study when I had the opportunity and the idea to start Odo Pro. And I put it out there and there were some very well-meaning, very well-meaning and well-intentioned women who told me that I absolutely should not consider doing this because I don't have to, to feed my Uh children. Oh yeah. yeah, And that, and that (laughs) the kids are going to grow up so fast and I'm going to regret working outside the home. Mm -hmm. And it shook me. And then I had to find people like you and like Kim and like my own mom, my, both my parents are, are so supportive and you, you got to find people to bounce your ideas off of that are going to support you and understand all angles and not just try to make you fit the mold that they see is appropriate. Oh, I, I love that because yeah, I've definitely crossed those hurdles too. And there was a time where, and still my parents don't completely understand the outdoor industry, but they, they're like, well, she's not going to stop doing this. So we might as well just jump on board, even though we're not really sure what she does. And for years, people, people would ask mom, like, well, where's Anna? I don't know, somewhere with those dogs shooting her gun, you know? And like, but they were still supportive and they would show up at Pheasant Fest and they would enjoy the parties and just be overwhelmed at the connections and stuff of, that the hunting industry offered, yeah. but they just still couldn't put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And so um, I have been so fortunate like you to have a supportive family because I couldn't have done it without them. No, no. And, and I think that um, there's an innate thing in so many of us who have good relationships with our parents that it would kill me to feel like I wasn't making them proud. And mm-hmm. so for, for them to be supportive of me stepping out on a limb and trying this different creative thing is um, it, it was really key that they be supportive and they have been. They're super yeah. proud, which well, is a you're blessing. actually changing lives. I'm like, well, you know, like I give shooting lessons. And for me, the biggest thing is getting these emails like this, where people say, I like my life has changed because of the confidence that I've gained through shooting sports. Or yes, I was about to say, I disagree with you. You are absolutely changing lives. <laughs> I mean, you are, you are giving people something that is in, in my opinion, like I said, at our, the core of our humanity that gets, that gets us back to, um, some of the reasons we were put on this earth and, and you're, you're, you're like tying them to our world and, and the outdoors in a way that they can have fun and be passionate. And it's truly like a spiritual experience for some people. Like you, you're oh, giving people this gift that, that they mm-hmm. wouldn't have had. So that was what it was for me too. It was like, there's no in the world that I could stop doing this because of how it has motivated me in every single aspect of my life. And, and I started this, you know, like as a single mom and we were just like, I just had to, like you were saying, there are moms, even stay home moms that are fulfilling their duties, but they're not feeling fulfilled. And there's another powerhouse woman in the wing shooting world. And we started our careers at the same time through the same struggles of like, who do we want to be? It's like, we get one more chance in life to knock it out of the park and give back and build a legacy that we want for our girls. And and she has girls too. It's like, whether they follow our footsteps within the industry, whatever, we want them to be proud of building something that helps other people. And, um, so yeah, I mean, when I first started, I had no idea I was, I had such tunnel vision. I just wanted to be good. Like I can, I look back and I'm thinking, how in the world did I ever get away with that? Because 
I was driving an hour and a half each way, you know, five, six days a week to shoot a gun just to get proficient for two and a half years. I got away with that. And I'm like, I could never get away with that again, but it was almost like I had um, like grad school, which I am a a master's dropout, like last semester. I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to do that. So I'm going to take that money, not give it to these professors for a piece of paper, but I'm just going to go watch something I really want to do. So that's kind of what happened. I like totally walked away from that world, found my shooting coach and started grad school all over again with a shotgun in my hand and with a bird dog in the field. And it was like, this can help people love their life even more because some people just don't have, they just, they're not fortunate enough to get to do the things that we've been able to do. So live our passion and create that into a career. Um, But they can have an outlet that, just feeds the rest of their life. And so I've, my mental management coach has just taught me so much about that. And um, it's just the main part of the things that I've learned that I want to share. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. I think so many people, men and women end up feeling like they wake up one day in their forties, maybe, and they just feel trapped. They've they're they're They realize it, at least I think, well, I won't say that I'm trying to be careful with my words here, but I think that a lot of people can trapped because they've kind of done the next expected thing and they Correct. wake up and living inside this box and they don't know how to get out of it. And, um, I, I just firmly believe that for all of us, it is possible to find the center of that Venn diagram where yeah. what you know and what you've studied, your education, your life experience, and what absolutely makes you tick there's a middle part where all that comes together and it doesn't matter how old you are I think we can all continue looking for that and honing in on that bullseye because Mm -hmm. that's is that not what we would all want for our children so why are we not seeking that out for ourselves I love that I love that so much because yeah I mean you didn't start your career thinking that you were going to market your knowledge to shooters. I sure as heck didn't think me getting a bird dog was going to land me in this career full time, but I wouldn't do anything else either. Right. Well, and I mean, it's almost comical in hindsight, like growing up with my dad at the hunting camp, but not really wanting to hunt when I was young. And then my favorite job in college was as a radio DJ. And then for like an oldies radio station, and then I go and I no decide, I, yes. And then I had the star 92.3 midday Motown and sixties <laughs> classic show on, uh, oh, 92. I love this in Grenada, Mississippi. And, um, then I go on to grad school because I want to help people here. And then I go into the academic medical setting and I'm on this tenure track, like on this like professorship type track. And then I go into research. I mean, it's just, it's kind of been like this whole thing. And then now I exited all of that. And I'm doing this quirky niche aspect of my profession that I studied formally, but it's incorporating all those other experiences Mm -hmm. that didn't seem to have any tie together. Like it was so off the wall, but then now with this, it really is bringing all of that together. And I, I, I'm extremely thankful. I think that's a, that's a gift. And I feel like you've done the same thing, you know, exactly the same thing, a million different things. And then you, and then you keep like, honing in and honing in and, and, and finding how it all actually does make sense. It did make sense. Well, I don't really know how 
like as I went on my undergrad was to build custom homes. Like that's all I ever wanted to do. That was the world that I was raised in. And I love it. Like I still want to scroll Instagram and look at custom kitchens. Like that's my outlet. Some, you know, some people watch, I don't know, the housewives or whatever. I just want to break apart kitchens and see new trim packages on cabinetry and things. That's awesome. So dork world. But then when I went into grad school, it was education because I was like, well, that gives me the best time I could have off with JC and keep her schedule. And I absolutely hated it. This girl was not cut out to be uh, politically correct in a public education system. And I learned that real quick um, after a massive investment, but I'm educating now. Like, I, you know, like you say, like somehow it all works out and it's all connected and I am still an educator. I just went to grad school to educate the wrong, like, you know, learn about the wrong topics. Um, But I I found it and I found the best mentors and you're talking about like the whole feminism thing. I've had good girlfriends like you guys, but we've never been able to commit like a life together. It's not like we can get together and get our kids together and all this stuff because we're scattered, but, um, I've never had a female mentor and just, I've just met these random men who've either taken me in as, you know, an adopted family member or whatever through these organizations, conservation organizations that keep us all connected. And it's a precious gift. Like I just never take it for granted that, Somehow God put all these people in my life, took me on this rabbit trail, and now it all makes sense. Right. For every one man that's disrespectful to me or belittling to me because I'm a female, there are dozens of other men who have been incredibly supportive and respectful and wonderful relationships that I've built. Um, so you know, my, my female empowerment, uh, <laughs> though sometimes it might sound really strong, I I have gotten to where I am because of so many male relationships that have Mm -hmm. taken an interest in what I'm doing and respect it enough to introduce me to their friends and help me try to brainstorm and figure out how to grow and scale. Um, So I certainly uh, appreciate those relationships and I'm excited at the same time to see more and more women step into this male dominated space with us. Yeah, because they're welcomed. Yes. I mean, I I have been welcomed completely. Like I truly, um, and, and like I say, for every one jerk, there's a, an army of men who will come to bat for me. I know I needed to hear that too, because sometimes those jerks, man, they can really be harsh and that is a lasting impression, but we really should just let it go because that's not the masses. One that I can't get out of my head. It happened last week. I'll tell you about it. I was molding this guy's ears and he's an older man. He's a retired physician. And he called me little lady and sweetheart, whatever. That's fine. In one ear, out the other. And then as he's molding his ears, he says to me, you know, your husband should work a little harder so you don't have to be doing this. <gasps> I about shoved my pin light through his eardrum. No, I didn't. I, I, I took a breath and I was just like, sir, I want you to your know. Your husband's a rock star and supportive of you doing your own thing. He, he is supportive. Um, while, you know, and, and I am working by choice, you know, I'm not trying to say that I've, I've like built my business from like, you know, I I've had amazing opportunities. Yes, this is true. 
it's, it is also true that I am doing what I'm doing because I am passionate about it. And I, I just told him, I said, sir, I'm doing this because I choose to do this and I'm doing to do this because I, I care. And this is the legacy I want to leave for my career. So trust me, my husband's working plenty hard. And that was just all I had to say. And then he kind of backpedaled a little bit, but it just got all over me. And I have not stopped thinking about it. If your husband worked a little harder, maybe you wouldn't have to be doing this as if what I'm doing is so degrading. I mean, you would have thought I was scrubbing his toilet. (laughs) Just, you know, (laughs) what are you saying? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I totally understand. I would show up at places in my own rig. Right. But I was always married to some stranger across the room that I had no idea who they were and everybody just assumed, or they would just pair me with somebody. I'm like, why can't people just recognize the fact that I'm here because I want to be here on my own. Right. Right. Yeah. Like this is, believe it or not, I am enjoying what I'm doing. And it yes. is, it's exciting and it's fun and it's rewarding. And I am by no means begrudging my job. So it's, and it's not a job. It's, it's a, it's so much more than a job. So anyway, it is people, some people are just not going to get it. But like I say, those are truly few and far between. And you're exactly right. I need to just let it go. So now, hopefully, now that I have said this for an actual audience, maybe I'll be able to quit thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I can guarantee you it's not going to end. No, it won't no. end. Mm-mm. And and there's really no perfect comeback. I think the the best possible thing to do in those situations is really not to respond at all. Just to continue being the professional expert that you are at whatever it is that you do. And just show them over time, by example, that you deserve more cred than that. Well, and, you know, when the industry paused because of COVID, I went into straight up competition mode, which I am a competitor at heart. My entire family is like that. Everything that we ever did as a family turned into a competition and a bunch of, you know, smack talking and stuff. And it was fun. It was so much fun. And I have the best memories growing up of like my grandmother can out shoot us all, you know, she's, she shot her deer two seasons ago and she's ready to go shoot a turkey and she's 85, you know, and awesome. Like, so it's just in me to be that way. And, and that was what motivated me after being in the industry and then COVID shut things down. And we had this break. I said, I'm going to go back to my bucket list because when I was tournament hunting, I was the worst tournament hunter that ever walked the face of the planet. I had no idea what I was doing, but I loved every second of it. Well, maybe this time I can figure it out, you know, and yeah. And I did. And in doing it, it motivated me to set that standard of female because we're perfectionist and we want to be taken serious and we're not feminist. You know, we just, we just love what we're doing. We want to do it right. So I thought, okay, I'm going to use this twofold. It's a bucket list thing for me to win these trophies. I just love these trophies and being from the South and running BDC was like, the biggest deal ever because it travels all over the Midwest and it's just like the real deal kind of tournament hunt, right? I couldn't wait to get there. But then I saw how it separated me and it really did prove that I can shoot under pressure. I'm not just, you know, and I shouldn't say not just a target shooter, but I can handle a dog too, because it's something that you have to do. And it created my niche. It created me helping people. You go to your shooting coach 
and you learn how to shoot and then you send your dog off to the trainer and you get them back. Well, then your shooting falls apart because you're so worried about your dog and figuring out how to handle your dog and stuff. And then your confidence gets all out of whack. And you're like, well, I used to be able to do like, I used to never miss and now I'm missing, but I got my dog or one thing falls apart. And so I didn't even know that was a need to Mm -hmm. help people say like, Hey, like you got to put all this together now and you got to stay consistent and put it all together. But that's what came out of me going back into competition. It wasn't a planned thing. It was just life got put on pause. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to use this as a resume builder because I'm good at it now, you know? And so I'm with you. It was just like this whole crazy route of figuring out what we bring to the table and how to combat the naysayers or whatever. And then, and then how to create a reputation so that people can trust us because we're here to help them have a a better experience. Right. Right. And I think that, that for both of us, when, when you're doing, when you're, when people are coming to you and doing business, whether it's through training and learning with you, or whether it's purchasing products through me, um, when that is built off of a foundation of authenticity and doing what you love, then people are going to be able to see that. I think like there's not a whole lot of convincing that has to happen at that point, because people, I think pretty quickly recognize that you want what's best for them. And you're not doing this as, you know, it's not all about the dollars and cents. Like you, you really are wanting to teach people in your situation. You're wanting to show them how to do this great thing. That's added value to your life and this new skill that you've learned. And you want to share that. And have other people enjoy that too. And and I think, especially with you, I, I think that's so clear within the first 30 seconds of talking to you. I get so geeked up about it. I'm like, really? bird dogs? Yeah, you sit on an airplane or every time we go to Panama City, I end up finding the bird dog people on the beach. I don't know how it happens. <laughs> but that, like, I mean, just the most random places. Like, I just love it. I absolutely love what those dogs have brought to my life. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell you're so passionate about it. And you're also just a really friendly person and, and you, you talk to everyone and you love people and you love dogs and you love hunting and, and you, you bring it all together and you make people instantly feel connected to you. And that is, that is a, a, a true gift that you have. I mean, truly like you, you talk to someone and they immediately feel your contagious energy. And oh, thanks. It, Really? Like you connect with people very easily. Well, I like, I think that is my gift is just like to be a connector, maybe Mm -hmm. not to me, but to take these relationships that I build and build other people's connections so that they get what they need. Mm -hmm. Like, just like when we met, I'm like, I have to tell the whole world about what you have to offer because I travel all over and nobody's doing this. Yeah. 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 Well, and thank you. I like well, truly it's, it is, it is people like you that I met, particularly at that event where we met mm-hmm. that, that caused me to actually, it's like a flip switched. And I, I realized, wait, this could actually become a legitimate full-time thing for me. <laughs> it truly had not dawned on me until I started meeting people like you who were really fired up about what I was doing and believed in it and started telling people about it. And saying, you need to know this person and you need to know this person. Well, nobody that else amazing. that I have ran across was actually educating me on why I needed to do this. It was just a common thing. It's like, just make sure you got your ears. It's part of our safety rules, you know? Uh-huh. 
And uh-huh. so when I found somebody that was just as passionate about the industry and about creating longevity and about bringing new technology and then the way that you educate about it is so simple and you make it easy. And it's like, there's nothing but benefits that come from what you you have to offer. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. and that's really what happened. It was like, and she's a rock star and she's doing it. And I remember saying, okay, this is going to be the last year that you're not bird hunting. And like <laughs> when we met, I'm like, yeah, this ain't going to happen again. <laughs> you did. You did. And I, I still... I have so much learning to do and I, I look forward to the day when I can really go all in. Um, but I, I want, I definitely need your instruction when that time comes, you know, and that's just the beauty of our industry. It's like, there's so much help there and mm-hmm. every, every type of hunting in the upland world is, is acceptable. Right. So yeah. if you, and you're so focused on, building your brand and, and educating people that's time consuming juggling three girls too. So it's like, go to the preserves, just get out there because it's going to rejuvenate your why as of what you do. It's going to be that break that says, Hey, this right here is where I'm making the difference. And I need to spend some time there because that's why you're doing this, right? It's for all the people out there. And so I encourage you, even if it's just today, just to show up and let somebody show off their dog and brag about, you know, their pops yeah. and yeah. have fun with it because that's why you're doing this. Right. Right. I'm hoping to make it to a dove hunt on opening day. Are you, are you doing any Southern dove hunting? I'm actually coming up in the next California. few weeks. It'll be my first time not dove hunting in the South. Wow. Yeah. On opening day. Yeah. Do people realize what a big social event this is opening day of dove season? It's like the biggest party. If you're involved in it, you sure as heck do. Cause you don't miss it, but right. it is a nationwide thing. Yeah. Like Amber and the Kennequin, she yeah. makes it last the whole season. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, they do countdown. That's what her and her dad's always done. That's their tradition. And so she's been counting down since like April. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So it, I, I love that it's so social and, you know, it's all about you know getting people together. Anyway, it's kind of fun. It is so fun. Thank you for great. sharing so much just about you and being so open with what like reality looks like outside of social media, because it's a hot mess. <laughs> it really, it really is. It's like, you know, we are definitely just raising our kids within the industry. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's all I can say about it is um, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, but I wouldn't either. Not really wouldn't either. No, it's not. It is not the norm. That's for sure. And that's okay. That is great. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Because yeah. now we just need to give them what's most important. And I just think the traditions and the standards and all the things that come out of hunting camp, like there's just no better place except for church. Right? <laughs> Amen to that. Absolutely. Well, and, and it's, I mean, like we said, I mean, how much closer can you get to God than being outside in his creation, like truly involved in the circle of life, the way it was created to be. I mean, that's, uh, I don't know how you compare anything to that. Well, you got me fired up to go back to work. So when I need my little pep talks, I'll be calling grace. Call me up, call (laughs) me up. And then, and then we'll switch gears and I'll say, all right, now, now bring it on. I need to hear it too. 
<laughs> All right. Well, if um, anyone listening, we're going to have how to reach Grace posted yeah. on the details of this podcast. But Grace, just tell people how to find you. Um, yeah. And everything that all the steps that it takes to get your custom hearing, they take care of every single, every single process, like every bit of the process, they hold your hand through it. They make sure that you're happy. And um, it's definitely worth investing in their knowledge because nobody else's is detailed about hearing protection in the outdoors and personal needs as you guys are. Well, thank you. And, you know, our website, otoprotechnologies.com, O-T-O-P-R-O technologies.com. People routinely land on our website and I'm constantly working to make it more obvious, more user-friendly to help people choose what it is they need. But do not hesitate to hit the contact button and shoot an email over saying, hey, here's the kind of hunting I do. This is the type of noise exposure I've had. Help me choose what products you think would be the best for me. And we will start emailing back and forth. We'll pick up the phone and call and we will figure it out with you every step of the way. Like that's that's what we're here for. So don't ever let the process seem overwhelming or complicated because that is truly what we do. Yeah. It's too big of an investment to just, just pick something out of the hat. No. Right. And and we'll guide you toward what we believe is going to be the most likely best thing for you. But then if you get it and you don't like it, we're going to swap it out. We're going to make sure that you land in something you're realistically going to use and that you're going to enjoy. Oh, awesome. Grace, thank you for spending so much time with me. It was fun. I enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I believe in it and and hunters need it. And this is the best thing for wing shooters because we can still hear what's going on in the line, but we are protected by um, from all the things that we don't need. And um, especially all of our listeners that hang out at the clay course every weekend, you know, it's just so important to take this extra step. Yes. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to have you back on. Hopefully we get some listeners that'll message us and say, Hey, like we went through this process and give us some feedback. I'll be excited. Yeah, that'd be great. Yes. I'd love to hear it. Okay. Well, take care. Thank you. Keep us posted on your schedule. We'll keep reposting it. So all the listeners, if they're in in the area, they can actually come in and meet up with you. Absolutely. I'll do it. I'll do it. That'd be fun. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you, Anna. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me